As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I have the incredible Erica Rooney on with me. What's up, Erica? Megan, it's so good to be here. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So Erica and I met a couple of months ago. This is a funny story. We got to, we got to share the story, right? <laughs> so, Go ahead. so Erica emails me and she's like, tell me about who she is. You know, let's, let's do a show together on the built to last show. I'm like, awesome. I don't know who you are. Like, let's have a connect call first. <laughs> and I was like, who's this person? I don't know. Let, let's get on a call. And, um, and one of the reasons is because I get, I get pitched a lot. And a lot of times I know who the person is because they're, they're, I've been in the coaching world for 11 years. And usually it's like, I just know who they are, or I'm already friends with them on Facebook. And so I was like looking you up and I was like, why are we not, we're not friends on Facebook. Like who's this person? And so we get on a call. We had a 15, like, no, we actually stayed on for a while, but we hit it off immediately. And we ended up having so much in common. You got to tell the part, you got to tell the part about what we had in common. Do you remember? Oh my gosh. No, I mean, it was a few months ago. Which part are you thinking? Okay. About? So we Erica is in, call. you're up in North Carolina. Are yes. you in Cary, Raleigh or Durham? I'm well, I'm in the Raleigh area. Okay. Raleigh. So I town, if, if you guys listening, don't know this, I'm from a very small town called Pittsburgh, North Carolina, which is South of where you are. Yep. And when I was there, there's some people who lived in Pittsburgh, North we're chatting. And so we had that in common. I think we had like Florida in common. And then somehow we got on the subject of, oh, I know what it was. You said you knew somebody up there you have like a working relationship with. And you were like, well, you're friends with this guy on LinkedIn. And I was like, I don't know who you're talking about. I was like, I'm friends with lots of people. And I don't know who they are. And I said, you know what though? Wouldn't it be really funny if my husband knew who they are? Because my husband knows everybody. And Sean happened to be like walking by the office door. He's like, Sean, come here. And then my husband knows this guy that you have this working relationship with. And I'm like, see, I told you my husband freaking knows everybody. So Eric and I didn't know each other from Adam. And my husband knows people who Erica knows. Like, how does that even happen? And let's make it even more clear. Your husband knows my boss. <laughs> yes. Yes. So like to make that well, world even smaller. It's my actual boss. <laughs> Isn't it, it's crazy. It's crazy, but we had so much in common and I was like, okay, like we, of course, like we don't even need to talk more than two minutes. So you're here and we're going to talk about glass ceilings and sticky floors. So, um, super excited to have you here, Erica. Why don't you first just tell everybody like who you are a little bit about your backstory. And then we're going to dive into this really juicy topic. Cause I'm sure you have lots of uh, yes. awesome lots stories of to share. To talk about. Yes. So I am a wife. I am a mom. I've got two small kids ages five and eight. I have to think about that now. I am a coach. I'm a consultant. I'm a podcast host. I am a chief people officer. 
and a fitness freak as well, is what I tell everybody. There's so there's a lot of things going on in the world of Erica, but I'm a very busy person. I love it. I would never have it any differently and kind of fell into HR by accident, Megan. I started in the health and wellness industry, but I have this love, I call it my lovely problem, which is my growth mindset problem in that you can only go so far in the health and fitness industry in corporate America if you want to continue to grow. And I hit my my ceiling in corporate America in, gosh, within eight years. And after eight years, it was pretty much like, there's nowhere else for you to go. So I was like, okay, great. So you're telling me I'm in my twenties and I'm, I'm like capped out here. And that's when I made the move into HR and it worked and it, it made sense because I loved fitness because I was helping people. And then I got into HR because I was helping people. And that makes sense for my, my coaching and consulting business because I'm continuing to help people. Mm -hmm. So that is a very long story combined into just a few quick moments, but it is how I've landed in this role as a chief people officer and also a coaching consultant. Yeah. And who do you work with primarily with the coaching and consulting work that you do? Women only, women only. And that is because I have to be very strategic with my time. I mean, you heard I've got kids, I've got a husband, I've got all this other stuff. So I do not have a ton of time for an exponential amount of clients. So I work with people that I want to connect with. That's not to say I've never taken on male clients. I probably will in the future at some point, but right now I work with executive women Mm -hmm. and I do, and entrepreneurial women. And I do that because I feel like we have to walk through this corporate America world very differently than a man does. Mm. We have a lot of problems in a lot of life circumstances that are very different from the problems that men have. Mm. And because I'm a woman and I have done all the things, I want to help other women do all the things as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we are in really interesting times in our world right now. You know, whether a woman is an entrepreneur right now, like the level of resiliency that you've got to have as a business owner right now is kind of through the roof. And I would imagine it's probably the same if you're in corporate America as well. What are you noticing just in the in the corporate world, in the entrepreneurial world, you know, as things have kind of like flipped on their head on its head in the last three years? Are you seeing like anything new or anything different or themes that are coming up for people or patterns that are coming up for people uh, that is just kind of like you're seeing it everywhere. Well, I think with the pandemic, it really forced everybody to evaluate, reevaluate their life choices and their decisions and what fulfillment and happiness meant to them. And I think it also, now that we're kind of on this other side of the pandemic, has everybody kind of reevaluating what is important to them. And they're making a lot of different pivots. And I think for entrepreneurs and for women in corporate America, really anybody, the ability to pivot needs to be much faster and you need to be much more flexible because things are coming at us at left and right. I mean, if you go back to 2020, we all thought the pandemic was a two week, you know, great, we get to work from home for two weeks. This will be really fun, you know? <laughs> And then it lasted for two, three years, you know, so we have to be able to pivot and adapt to these changing environments. And the truth is we love to plan and we love to predict the future, but I don't think anybody would have predicted the last three years, especially when you're looking at how the landscape changed in corporate America, how the pandemic changed the way everyone does life now. 
that nobody would have predicted that. Otherwise, it wouldn't have impacted us the way it did. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So you've got this saying around glass ceiling, glass ceilings, and sticky floors. I've, yeah, I think most of you have probably heard like the terminology around glass ceilings. But when we had our initial chat and you started talking about sticky floors, I'm like, ooh, I've never heard that before. Yes. So tell us what this concept means. And then I'm sure... I'd certainly want to hear some of some stories. Like I'd love for you to share some of your own glass ceilings and sticky floors and how that showed up in your own life. And maybe again, like what are some of the most common ones that you're seeing in in women that you're working with? So what does this all mean? Yeah, we could talk all day about this. So glass ceilings, as we know it, is that limit where typically women or minorities hit in corporate America. We can not see it, but we're bumping up against it. We see everybody on the other side of it. And when I say everybody, I mean all the white men, because that is who occupies above the glass ceiling. But for me, glass ceilings is really kind of that that shelf where you stop yourself. And What I mean by that is you can be an entrepreneur, you can be a business person in corporate America, whatever it is, like there's going to be that ceiling that you hit. There are very few people that just have the level of grit and resilience to that they never hit a glass ceiling and never let it stop them. Sticky floors are what keep us stuck. So those are the limiting beliefs like imposter syndrome or perfectionism that keep us weighted down and held back. But they also show up like toxic behaviors, toxic relationships. Think of it as something that is within your span of control, okay? So we are all weighted down by the isms of life, racism, sexism, ageism, all of that weighs us down. But there are things that we have in our control, such as how do we look at a situation? How do we reframe perhaps a negative thought that comes into our mind that keeps us from acting, right? And in my experience where I have seen sticky floors show up the most in women, the number one is not knowing their worth. Mm. And I, I, I interview women on my podcast who are in leadership or executive, executive level roles. And I ask them to reflect back and every single one of them says, I wish I knew my worth. Mm. And that could mean in expressing their boundaries to their managers, right? In asking for the compensation they deserve and asking for the stretch projects and raising their hand in so many different ways. But when I hear that, it's almost heartbreaking because, I mean, all of these women that I'm talking to are just amazing people. They're out there doing amazing things and they're sitting, they're telling me like, I wish I'd known my worth. And I'm just like, dang. Mm, mm. So how do you work through that? I mean, I'm sure that you are working with your own clients on that. If it's coming up and you're seeing that as such a pattern and such a commonality, How do you go from, I don't see my worth to, I do see my worth? So the women who are telling me they wish they had known their worth, they've typically worked through it and they understand it now. It's the people who don't understand that they don't yet know their worth. And I work with them typically through this three-step model, which is super simple. It's just name it, question it, shift it. So for example, if I'm working with a woman who tells me like, this recruiter reached out to me, I'm interested in the job, but I just don't think I could do it. Like it's well above my experience level. I I don't think I should like take her up on the conversation. And this is a real life story. And I said, well, kind of talk to me about that. Like, why, why not? Is it truly above like your level? And it was maybe one level up. 
you know, mm. maybe 20% of the things in the job description she had not done before. So the bulk of it she had done. And we walked through that. And so she was able to name it. I said, so is this a confidence thing? You know, you just don't feel confident and, or is it imposter syndrome? Like you don't feel like you deserve the current job that you have. So we kind of worked through some questions to name it. In this case, this woman, she named it as confidence. I don't feel confident in doing this. I haven't applied for a job in, you know, 10 years. I'm out of the game. So then we question it. Well, why do you feel like you don't meet these expectations? You know, and after we kind of talked through it, she was like, okay, I guess that's not really making a ton of sense. You know, I guess I do meet 80% and the 20% I could learn very easily. So then we shifted. And that is going from, I don't know 20% to, I don't know 20% yet, or I haven't done this yet. Hmm. And then also putting that positive spin on it that it might not work out, but what if it does? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, why are we already taking ourselves out of the game? We're not even, we're not even stepping up to the plate, right? We're not even allowing ourselves to attempt to get a base hit, right? We're totally just like, nope, I wouldn't be able to hit that ball. So I'm going to totally check myself out. So giving them the permission to allow for the possibility to step up to that plate, swing and see if they hit a home run. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what's the meaning that we're assigning to ourselves? Because I resonate with what you're saying. I mean, if you're listening to this, especially if you're a woman, and I'm sure men have done this as well in different instances where you know, I think this worth piece and the confidence piece, I think it comes up probably in every single one of us. Let's just say it does. It comes up in every single one of us, uh, varying degrees of severity or not, and probably in different categories. Cause I think there's probably categories where like, I'm super confident, but I'm less confident over here. Same for you, same for everybody. But what you just shared around, we take ourselves out of the game and we don't even give ourselves the option. And it's like, you know, are do you find that are is it like a fear of failure? Is it a fear of rejected rejection? Is it that we're making it mean something about us again, kind of circling back to our worth? Are we making it mean something about us if I do it and it doesn't work? If I do it and I fail, if I do it and I suck at it at first, because guess what? Like anything we've never done before, we're gonna suck at it at first. Like, what's the meaning we're assigning to that? There's a lot of different meanings, but if I got really simple about it, it is either the fear of failure or the fear of success. And I will walk you through that because most people are like, how can I be scared of succeeding? Right. And if you, so we'll get to that, but the fear of failure is very obvious, right? Nobody wants to be bad at anything. Nobody does. Like our intention is always to do good work. And if we can't do work, we feel personally like we're not good enough. And that goes to that self-worth piece, right? We're not allowing ourselves the opportunity to fail a little bit because failing is okay. Fail forward, fail up. We've heard all the different sayings. There's probably 8,000 books written, written on the power of failure, but we inherently view failure as a negative thing. So we are always scared of that failure, but we are also a little bit scared of the success and the opportunity because once we unlock that door, it's this whole world of possibilities and unknowns that we don't know. You know, you always hear that the grass isn't always greener. Well, sometimes it is greener on the other side, but we are too scared to climb over that fence and take a look at it. 
And you know, that grass on the other side may require more fertilizer. It may be larger. You may have to mow it more, right? But it is still a beautiful, much larger pasture. And people get scared of what that means because they can't see it yet. So it's Mm. also that success is this fear of the unknown. Mm. Well, and usually it's going to come with a lot more responsibility too, right? Do you ever hear people talk about that aspect of it? Like, I'm just, it's just going to be so much for me to have to handle. And my level of responsibility is going to go from here up to here. And sometimes I think that can even like take people's breath away to think about that. It absolutely can. And I will tell you, though, I have never heard a man say that. And this no. is why I love coaching with women, because no man would say, I can't take that promotion because it may take time away from my family. Right. I've never heard that. And so, again, this is why I love working with women, because it's about opening up the realm of possibilities of, okay, this job may require more responsibilities and it may require more of you, but guess what? Now you're making more money and now you can outsource your house cleaning or your grocery shopping or whatever to allow you more time to do the things you love, Mm -hmm. not cleaning the home and scrubbing toilets, right? So Mm -hmm. kind of shifting the thoughts on that, but a lot of people do get scared because it is more responsibility, you know, and that's not for everybody, but it can be for you if you want it to be. You just yeah. have to take ownership of that and take agency of that and make it your own. Yeah. So, you know, you are someone who is really creating a, a lot of thought leadership around the idea of glass ceilings and sticky floors. How did this come about for you? Did you go through an experience in your career or in another part of your life where you recognized that you were kind of playing this out in your own life as well? And it, Did you have like this epiphany moment or this wake up call that really shifted you into now serving, serving women who are experiencing this and may not even know it, right? Like some people, I don't think sometimes we're not aware of it at all. Absolutely. Right. And this is what I tell people. That's why the first step is naming it. Because if we all knew what we were doing or not doing, people think I would attack that. I would change what I was doing. But what I really kind of attribute what I'm doing now with is to one of my sticky floors. And I told you I was a a goal getter. I'm a growth climber. I was sitting in the C-suite, super stressed out, mom of two small kids in the middle of the pandemic, a husband that was working from home, which we'd never worked from home full-time together. So troubleshooting being together 24-7, you know, one kid not in daycare. It was a lot of stress. And I have this perfectionist tendency, which I don't think perfectionism is a bad thing. And I don't, I'm not saying perfectionism is my sticky floor because I think perfectionism is my superpower. It's what has led me to go after all of the things that I've done where I get stuck is I love being a positive person. And I don't like talking about the negative things or the hard things. So I just love to stuff all those way down deep (laughs) and just keep going. Right. I'm sick, but that's okay. It's not that bad of a cold. I'm going to keep going. And I just, I downplay and I move on. And as we were going through all those things in the pandemic that I just mentioned and all the struggles, I never wanted to admit publicly that I was struggling. You Mm. know, I had this successful career, married, two small kids. Everything was great. I had the opportunity to work from home. More people had it harder. And so I was struggling and struggling and struggling. And I was struggling with depression and anxiety as well. And to cover that up, I started drinking a lot of wine right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people started doing that in the pandemic. But for me, it was not a good thing. And I was finding literally no reason not to drink. 
every single day. And I would wake up and I would tell myself, I'm not going to have a drink today. It's fine. And then by four o'clock, I'd be like, okay, when can I pour that wine? Like, let's be real. And I know that was not uncommon for a lot of people, but it was not aligning with my goals and who I wanted to be. I wanted to go after bigger and bolder dreams. I wanted, I was very into health and fitness, but that, that wine started warping almost my entire life. And the fact of I was no longer working out because I enjoyed it. I was doing it as a punishment Mm -hmm. and a way to show myself that I was still in control so I could still work out and go run. Right. Mm -hmm. None of these things are good and healthy things. (laughs) Right. And it finally took me really hitting the end of my rope and just having this massive wake up call of, you know what, Erica, like you should really stop drinking wine and talk to a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I talked with my husband and we were like, that's what we need to do. And just kind of juggled some things off my plate so that I could really get my bearings again. And that is what led me to this whole glass ceilings and sticky floors. It's why I don't attribute it just to limiting beliefs, but also toxic behaviors. Because for me, I was stuck in this negative cycle of I'm stressed. I feel bad. I'll drink wine to numb out the pain. Now I'm still stressed. Now I feel bad. I'm still not hitting my goals. I'll drink wine to numb out the pain. And it was never ending. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes we can know what we are doing that is holding us back, but still not be able to break free from that. Yeah. So once you recognize that, that, you know, the, what was going on in that paradigm and pattern, were you able to reflect back on other stages and phases and seasons of your life, even like way back in the past, like maybe even when you were a teenager, where you saw, obviously, maybe it wasn't like you drinking wine. So it was a different behavior, right? Like this time the behavior was drinking wine, maybe other times it was a different behavior. But have you been able to like connect the dots and see like the same type of limiting belief or the same type of like, you know, you use the word perfectionism, whether it's that or it's something else, like in a way that was that has that been like you're winning because you said it was a superpower too, but it can also be a limiting belief. And I, I see what you mean by that. Um, it, you know, we could call that like your winning strategy. Like it was your, so have you, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, have you seen like reflect back on your life and it's like, wow, I can now see that limiting belief was actually running the show in other times in my life it was just a different behavior because I, I feel that way about myself too. When I become aware of like, Oh, wow, that is the limiting (laughs) thought. That is the limiting belief. And when I become aware of it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was doing this when I was like 10 years old. It was just a different situation. Yep. Well, and that's what the power of hindsight, right? And I always, if I'm feeling stuck and I don't know why I always tell myself, Erica, one day you will have the gift of hindsight. Yeah. (laughs) I just, One day it'll be there. And when I look back through my life and I come from divorced family, my, my parents divorced when I was very young and I was always that person. Again, I wanted everything to be perfect. Right. And that also meant people pleasing. So for me, a lot of it was also this people pleasing tendencies that if I could make it nice for everybody else, everything would be calm and copacetic. Yep. I was so afraid to disrupt other people by setting my own boundaries that I would often almost not have agency over my myself because I felt like I had to perform for other people. And that's what carried me up into that area in the pandemic of I wanted to please others by being pleasing. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't complaining. I wasn't stressed. I could still do all these things, 
But inside I was really dying and struggling, but I couldn't ask for help because that went against this belief in my head that it would be pleasing for other people if I had to put my burdens on them. Yeah. I a hundred percent resonate with what you just said. Literally, you just like described a lot of how I have functioned and that starts as a little kid, whether it's, you know, you were the product of a, a family that experienced divorce. I wasn't like my parents have been married like 57 years, but I resonate with everything you just said about the people pleasing and making sure everybody else is okay. And I resonate with like, and if I go ask other people for help, then now they have to deal with my burden. I think that that is so common, so common with women, uh, whether you're a mom or you're an entrepreneur or you're in corporate, I think that's super common. It is. And that's why we take on, take on, take on. And one of the things that I talk to myself through and talk to myself about when I'm when I'm getting in that stuck stuck mentality is people want to help. If you've yes. ever noticed, if you've ever gone through a death in the family or a really hard time, or even if a next door neighbor notices, hey, I saw you had a flat tire. Can I take you to the store? Can I take you to work? Do your kids need a ride? People want to help inherently. But we have this sticky floor where we don't want to burden other people. No, it's okay. I'll walk to school. Right. Yes. Like they just offered you a ride. Yeah. But that's what we do. We don't want to burden people. We have to recognize that we are now doing someone else a disservice by not allowing them to help. Exactly. I think we've done that so much in our society to the point where people aren't as, and I 100% am in agreement with you. I think that inherently as human beings, we do have this inner drive and desire to want to serve each other and to want to help. And I think to a degree, people are less and less that way because of what you just said, because we're not allowing them to. And I think people have been shut down so many times when they like offer the help because it's coming from somebody who's like, oh no, like, I don't want to be a burn. Like, I'll just walk because I've done that before too, where people are like, oh, I'll make your life easier. And I'm like, no, I'll just go over here and make my life harder and not (laughs) not give you the, not let you have the experience of giving a gift and being of service and being a gift to somebody else. I think that, you know, across the board in society, I think that people are, we're less likely to offer help to others. I, I, but I agree with you in that people do want to help. I don't think we see it as much as we used to back in the day. Yeah. And I think that's true. I think it, it, you know, people are also kind of still in their little COVID bubbles where they don't expand out and they don't want to extend but I think we need to get back to that where giving and receiving is just a way of life. Yeah. If you ask most people, they all want to help somebody somehow. Mm-hmm. They want to make a difference. And how we make a difference in the world is by helping somebody. Mm-hmm. But I love that you said, oh my God, that resonates with me when we talked about it, because that was the whole premises behind when I started my podcast, because I was like, I've got to share my story because if I'm feeling this way, I know somebody else is feeling this way. Mm -hmm. And I would bring these women onto the show and they would tell me their sticky floors and how it showed up. And I was like, oh my God, me too. Oh my God, me too. And then it was like episode 10. And I was like, 
I have a problem. I'm resonating with all these women, you know? Yeah. And then it's all of these sticky floors typically show up in some way, shape or form in your life, right? Somehow. And I get asked all the time, like, are we ever free from these sticky floors? And the answer is typically no, like when break it down, but we just get better at responding to them, Mm -hmm. right? Just because I gave up wine doesn't mean that my life is easy. It doesn't mean there's no stresses. I still aim to people please all the time. And I still catch myself sugarcoating all of the ugly things in my life instead of actually talking about how hard they are. I just then have to dial it back and be like, okay, Erica, now is a good time to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Now is a good time to slow it down. Mm-hmm. Now is a good time to call your mom to come watch the kids so you can have an afternoon off. Yeah. It gets to this point where you now have the ability to recognize when you're starting to get stuck so that you don't get so far stuck down. Yeah. Yeah. Something else that I have done too, and you may resonate with this as well. You know, going back to like people not offering to help you as much, I would notice this when I would have seasons in my business where it was not going well. Right. Like, I mean, when you're in business, it's just like anything. When you're in a marriage, business, like everything, it everything has its seasons, everything has its ups and downs, and everything is always going to have its ups and downs. But like you, I would just make it seem like everything is like hunky dory and I'm over here crushing it and you know, blah, 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 blah. That's the other thing too. If people think that you are crushing it, they don't think you need any help. And so they don't offer their help. They don't just reach out and extend your help. And I remember there have been times where I'm like, people are reaching out to me and asking me for my help all the time and I'm giving it to them. Why is nobody reaching out to me and asking me? And then one time my husband said to me, he goes, because you make it seem like you don't need any help. You're making it seem like everything is perfect for you. You're making it seem like you are just, I mean, out here just like crushing it and everything is just a-okay. So Everybody thinks you've got it all together. Mm. And that would be a comment that I would hear often, even if I would like divulge a little something to somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, like you've got it so together. I'm like thinking to myself, if you only knew, but then we don't share that. We don't share it because in our minds, we're like, oh my God, if people think that I'm not crushing it, what are they going to, what are they going to say about me then? What are they going to think about me then? But then you're kind of living on this island where nobody knows how they can help you or nobody knows how they can be of service to you. And I think that those of us who have this tendency to please other people and not be a burden, it, what is it? They call it like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Mm-hmm. And then nobody's coming to your rescue. Nobody. I've got a really interesting story too. And this is kind of where it differentiates a bit for women and men when it comes to this whole helping scenario is I had a client who broke her arm and she needed surgery on her arm. And she was going to be in this cast for a while, but only really out of commission for maybe two weeks. She told me, neighbors from all over came over and brought her husband food so that he wouldn't have to cook and he could focus on her and the kids would be okay. They took kids to sports. I mean, they jumped in, right? The whole, it takes a village. And then it wasn't, but six months later, her husband had to have some sort of surgery where he was going to be out for the count for three or four weeks. Not one person brought a casserole, right? Or a hot dish or whatever, right? Because 
you got it, girl, right? Like you do all this stuff all the time. And she was like, I was livid, you know? Wow. And it, it was that whole shuffling expectations from the man and the woman, right? Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of this when it comes to um, people who have to travel for work, you know? Mm-hmm. And my household, very guilty of this as well. If my husband happens to leave for like a week, I'm like, Bob, see you later, right? If I leave for two days, I'm like, I've written down the schedule for you. There's food in the fridge. The kids' lunches are packed. These are the people picking them up from school. Like I do that to myself. Mm-hmm. And of course he's gladly going to accept it because why wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. But I put that burden on myself to make it so easy for him. Mm-hmm. So it's like we pour out all of this and then we don't expect anything like that in return, leading down the burnout cycle for many. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm going out of town uh, today. The day of this recording is a Monday. So I'm going out of town on a Wednesday this week. And I did one of those things that you just said. I made like this whole list of our daughter's schedule because Sean and I have been kind of switching roles and like who's taking who where and getting her mm-hmm. to all her things. And she literally has got so much going on right now. It's crazy pants. And so I'm like making sure he knows everything and all the times and have it all written and everything's like ready. I'm doing the exact same thing you just said. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's what we do. It's second nature to us. But one of the other areas for me when it comes to this, I guess, perfectionism where it's not my superpower is I'm very much like a schedule regimented person. I'm like, we leave at this time to arrive at this time. So we're not late to da, da, da. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to open my husband up to some of these things. I'm going to have him take my daughter to swim. So I told him, you've got to pick her up from the school at this time so that she can change by this time and be there by this time and da, da, had it all laid out for him. Of course, I'm watching the clock. It's four o'clock. He was supposed to leave at four o'clock. He's not anywhere near his car. And I'm like, he's not leaving. And it's giving me anxiety. He's not leaving. He's not da da da. And I'm like, okay, you just got to let him figure it out. You got to let him figure it out. He goes off, finally gets her to swim. He's late, of course. Gets her in there, sends me a picture of her from swim. And she has her little cheetah bikini top on completely backwards. Like crisscross in the front. She looked a hot mess. But I sat there and I looked at the picture and she looked like she was having a great time. She had no idea or didn't care that her bikini top was on backwards. And he was not the least bit perturbed, you know? So a lot of the times we have to understand that if we are going to ask for help, that it is help on their terms. And we have to allow them to do that for us and not control how they help us. Yeah, I was going to say, and not be so controlling because we women have a tendency to be extremely controlling and not recognize it at all. But we do oh, it I'm in sitting so there many areas. Like, making faces at him on the call. You got to leave. And he's like, so what? She's five minutes late to a swim class. She's three, you know? Yeah. Wow. Is, who does care, you know? Exactly. In, in the big scheme of life, that is a very small thing. But those And when those tiny little sticky floors are like stressing you out and bugging you out, that's when you really need to step back and try to examine what it is Mm -hmm. you're doing and how you're responding Mm -hmm. and what that's leading to. So that case for me was leading to anxiety. Why? Yeah. Yeah. There's no point. You're just putting unnecessary pressure and anxiety on yourself. Like that's self-created. Exactly. So again, pulling yourself out of those sticky floors so that you can be much more 
focused and intentional in the areas that matter. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, let's let's close this session out, um, this episode out. I would love to hear maybe like, you know, it, the first step is awareness, right? So how can people become aware of what's actually running the show? Maybe, I don't know if you've got some tips or something they can better pay attention to. But like you said, I think you said this near the beginning of our conversation today. If we're not, because you were talking about naming it, if we're not aware, we can't do anything about it. So how do we take that first step of awareness when something is so ingrained in us? Yes. I've got a couple tips and these sticky floors, they kind of come to you in moments of stillness, right? When you actually take the time to reflect, that's why meditation is getting such a big hoopla right now is because that moment of stillness, I am not a big meditator. I do not do very well sitting quietly for five minutes at a time. So if meditation is not your thing, talking it through with a friend, with a therapist, with a confidant, and truly being open and vulnerable so that they can help you dissect. For me, running is my meditation. So I get out there and I just start running and put on a music, put on podcasts, something that can just kind of tune out the noise and let you hear your own thoughts. That's when the, that's when a lot of the awareness comes to me, but also to just go to your best friend and be like, what's holding me back because they can Mm -hmm. see it a lot better than you can sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, somebody else can see it for sure because it's like part of our identity, which is why we don't see it. We don't see it the same way an outsider does. Yeah. And even if like back, back in the day when I was really struggling with all of that, if I had asked my husband, what, what is my problem? He would have been like, you do not let anybody help you. And it stresses you out. Mm-hmm. And I would have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But again, it, I was so close to the problem. I couldn't see it. But when you hold it out there at 30 feet, you can much clearly see that. Mm-hmm. You sure can. So cool. Awesome. I know you've got a podcast. So tell us about your show so people can go listen to you. I know you do a whole lot of interviews with other women around this exact same topic. So we can all go take a listen and, and really resonate to a lot of other stories that women are sharing to know that it's not just us. It's not just unique to us. We are no more special than anybody else. We got, got a lot of the same issues and problems going on. You've got the podcast. I know you're on LinkedIn a lot. So tell us a little bit more about where people can learn more about you. Yes. Yeah, so you can listen to my podcast wherever you listen to this one, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Uh, It's called From Now to Next. And we do. We have a lot of amazing women on there from all walks of life who are just killing the game, but have been stuck in a sticky floor or two many, many times. So head on over there. Listen to that if you want to hear more sticky floor stories. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. I am always active on there. If you tell me that you heard me on this podcast, I absolutely will respond and chat with you. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. Part of That's how I wasn't so scared to be like, hey, Megan, you don't know me, but, (laughs) and then it leads to amazing conversation. Yeah. No, I I loved your email. I actually went back and read it today because I was looking for something. I was looking for something and I was like, it's back in our email thread and I was reading it and your email was like, just so like your personality and most people are like super formal and it's like this bulleted list of all the topics they could talk about and they kind of like throw smoke up your booty too and talk to you about their sh- And I was like, you were just yourself. And like the language that you use, I was like, oh, this is how she talks. Like she talks the way that she wrote this. 
Um, and I loved that because that really stood out to me. I think you're the only person I've ever gotten a pitch from where I was like, oh, she's like a real human being. Like, oh, I think you can hang. <laughs> I love can hang. <laughs> I know. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing just some of your insights and like real personal stories about your own sticky floors and glass ceilings. Well, I hope it helps somebody else who's listening. Yeah, it definitely will. So make sure you go listen to Erica's show from now to next. We'll make sure we have that in the show notes and we've got all the links that you can connect with her in the show notes as well. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.